0: Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we would encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. If you've got your Bibles, let's go, Matthew, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, we're gonna start a new series uh, called Belong Happy Summertime. It's gonna be a great summer. I wanna invite you um, to a couple things this summer. Uh, one of the things that I found myself saying to teenagers, I spent 20 years in youth ministry before, uh, before becoming a grown up, and um, uh, but I used to always challenge kids and tell them that this summer could be the most uh, powerful season of your life. And, and I think, uh, actually one of my mentors, uh, he talked about how he's, he's now just, just approaching 60, and he talked about how of his five adult children, all five of them had a power encounter with God at a summer conference or a summer missions trip, and it really just impacted their faith. And I was thinking about that for us, that it's sometimes, as adults, it's easy in summer uh, to kick back a little bit, and I think that there's something great to kick back in terms of of our work ethic a little bit and enjoy being outside, but I want to invite you to our spiritual pursuit of God actually getting hotter in the summertime, all right? And so I am just want to invite you to think about what it could look like if this summer you went all in. In your relationship with Jesus and in spending time with God and in walking with Him. And uh, connected to that, I think is significant is community. Sometimes in church, it's easy for us to take a step back uh, in church community, but I think it's possible that this summer you could take a step forward. And I wanna invite you, if you could picture this as a circle, I'd invite you to try to take a step closer in rather than taking a step out. All right. So we're going to spend the next few weeks uh, talking about uh, just the idea of relationships. And we're going to have our theme verse come out of Romans. I'm going to read it. Chapter 12. It's what was just on the video a moment ago. Romans chapter 12 reads like this. So we'll, we'll read this verse each week for the next few weeks. It says this. For just as each of for just, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, so that's us, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then Teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. But my prayer is is that this summer, uh, those of us that feel disconnected, that feel scattered, would not continue to do so, but take a step towards the body being connected. So that's where we're going to go. Let's pray together. And then we're going to dive into the word today. Father, we love you. And I thank you for each person that's in the room, each one that's online. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, I thank you, Lord, for uh, the real reality of your presence, the real reality of God at work right now. And Lord, we ask Lord that even in these next few moments that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice. God, I pray that in these precious moments, as people have gotten up and gotten ready and driven to church, I pray, Lord, that you would open up their hearts and their ears and their minds to hear the word of the Lord. I pray, Lord, God, that you would be at work in these moments. We love you. And everybody said, amen. And everybody said, amen. Come on, Memorial Day weekend. Everybody said, amen. All right, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to scream a lot today to get, get you going. Um, hey, when Renata and I moved uh, to Kansas City, um, we had this great moment where we were able to develop new friendships quickly. So when we got to town here, uh, we moved in February of 2016, and we quickly developed some relationships with some couples uh, who had already uh, kind of stepped into that season where their kids had left the house and... Renata and I um, loved the way—one of the things we loved was the way they loved Kansas City. And so we had suddenly these new friendships, the formation of new relationships with people that were a step ahead of us in life, a little bit older than us. And then there were some new relationships with people that were our age. We quickly connected with Will and Jamie Riddle, who have four kids, the exact same ages as our kids, and our kids became friends, and we didn't even know each other. But then, man, quickly— we, they, they became some of our dear friends. And then some younger families that had little kids like the Dorinskys and the Barkers and the Shannons and uh, the Reeds and just quickly developed these friendships with families that were a little bit younger than us and these young adults that were passionate about prayer and believing God. To touch our city. And there's kind of like in our house, these little prayer meetings that would start up that were powerful. And so Renata and I s- said this phrase, and it's the phrase that I want to kind of inspire you with today. But we said, We moved to Kansas City and found our family. And my hope for you is that at Radiant Church, you would find your family. My hope is that at Radiant Church, you could find relationships where they feel like family, where we're close. And those are typically not something that are quick and easy. They take time to develop, but they are possible. Many people kind of become cynical and think that it's not possible. But I want to invite you that it's actually a biblical idea that we find from Jesus. And I want to encourage you with that today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go Mark 3. That last text is the idea that we put in the video. We're going to show that each week. It's kind of like an umbrella text where I want all of us to think about us becoming the body of Christ. That's kind of the big idea. Specifically, I want to lean into Jesus today and talk about Jesus making disciples. And here's where I'm going. I'm going to give you the punchline early because this is my dream that you would walk away with. That the cure to loneliness is making disciples. That actually when you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added. And when you just obey Jesus, you follow Jesus and make disciples of Jesus, how even 21st century century loneliness can be met and fulfilled in community through actual Christian discipleship. That in the Christian life, Jesus actually has the cure to your loneliness and it is not found inside of other things outside of Christianity. It's actually Something that Jesus knew that you would deal with and has a way for you to live. Actually, when we read in Genesis 2, we find that from the beginning there was loneliness. And so from the very beginning, when Adam God said about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. We kind of find, we kind of find that solitude feeling alone before we find sin. And so then it's not good that they would be alone. And so, boom, you've got that whole story of Adam and Eve. And here's where I'm going today, where I'm going for you, is that if you feel isolated, if you feel lonely, if you feel scattered, that the best way moving forward is for you to actually be a disciple-making person. All right. So that's where we're going. So just so you know, just, just so it just I thought I'd tell you the punchline. Instead of screaming at the end, I scream at the beginning. All right. Here we go. Mark chapter three. Uh, and because it's Memorial Day and so we need a little pep. So, so just for today, if you, if, if you feel like this is a little bit boring and you need to just go get some coffee and come back, permission to do so. Just make sure you come back. All right. So uh, all right. Mark chapter three. Here we go. Verse 31 says this. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Then this phrase, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So first century family being so important, Jesus making a statement like this really gets people's attention. Would probably be very offensive and of course, we know, we read the way that Jesus talked. And in Mark 7, Jesus talks specifically about honor your mother and father. And he talks about Moses and the Ten Commandments and gives great value towards the traditional family. In no way is he belittling the traditional family here. What he is saying is he's giving allegiance and highest value to the family of God. What he is saying is that my, my, my brother and my mother are the people that do the will of my father. And so from the beginning he's got this idea of my family and I love this idea of his circle cuz just right there in the text you just read this actual report of Jesus seated in a circle. So it's specifically a circle of people that are he has chosen his disciples and he's looking at the people that have left everything to follow him and virtually all bible commentators say yeah that's his disciples. He's in a circle with his disciples. It's the people that he's picked. It's the people that he's prayed prayed for. Actually, in Luke 6, we read the story of when Jesus calls the disciples, and it says that he prayed all night, and then he chose his disciples. So when Jesus is picking his friends, he's praying, asking God, all right, all night. That's a big prayer meeting about your friendships, about who's going to be one of your disciples. And then he picks them. 21st century, it's easy for us to be like, I'll tell you who my friends are. They're the people I casually meet. The people, hey, they follow me first on Instagram. I'll just follow them back. You like me? You think I look good? What's up? I'll be your friend. You know, like it's very easy for us to be unintentional and just tolerate just whoever around me. But I want to invite you to think about being strategic. Actually, I was talking to a buddy of mine one time. He's a left-brained person, a little bit more left brain than I am. And he showed me his a piece of paper that said, here's my time with Jesus. So Jesus is my first priority. Here's how much time I'm committed to spend time with God. All right, here's the people that uh, I am committed to spending time with my family all right, and this time allotment per day, all right? Then here's, here's the people that I'm committed to helping them disciples of Jesus. Time allotment, I'm given to that per day. And here's the, here's, I'm wanting to go meet people that don't know Jesus so that I, he talked about a coffee shop that was his pond. He goes, I go fishing at that pond. That's where I go. I'm trying to meet people. I'm trying to meet people that that are coming, broken, and I'm going to be a regular. He talked about like the TV show Cheers, Cheers, Cheers. And, and and I'm going to go, I'm going to know people's name. I want to go where everybody, and that's, and his strategy was to be at that coffee shop, meeting broken, had a time allotment on people that he hadn't met yet, but he was going to meet to help them, move them into this slot to help them know Jesus. And he had kind of been very intentional. I just want to invite you to think about your circle. He spent a lot of time thinking about a circle. He spent time praying about a circle. I'm not asking you to do a little write it out like my buddy, but I do want to invite you to think about Jesus had a circle. <clears throat> Jesus is intentional about who's in his circle. He's intentionally making disciples. And of course, we know the significance of the disciples and all that they're going to do in terms of the great commission and all that Jesus builds into them. But I want us to learn from Jesus today and think about what it looks like for us to be strategic. Because if you're one of those disciples, think about how your life changes. Think about if I'm doing my own thing, living for me, If I'm living for self, my temptation is to just wander and live a wasted life. It's just about me. It's going to do my thing. But Jesus comes along, gives the disciples a relationship, a place to belong, a group of people. And then he actually invites them to build. He invites them to not just be disciples, but to go and, and actually be the builders of his church. So in the place of community and relationships, you're not merely just wandering and wasting away, living the American dream where I'm trying to just figure out what makes me happy. It's actually in the place of Christian community where you start to belong and where you start to build and you actually start to find relationship with God, relationship with comrades, and mission and purpose. Many people live isolated from community on their own, And think that having Christian friendships is the same as Christian community. Not so. No, Christian community always leads to mission. It always leads towards self-sacrificial, laying my life down to be the body of Christ, to show other people who Jesus is. So don't think that just hanging out with some other people that are Christians is the equivalent of the community. No, the whole idea of the body is that we're working together, arms Legs, eyes to be the body to accomplish the mission of Jesus. So if you feel like you are scattered and isolated, I want to invite you to take a step into community. You can just picture this circle right here, and maybe this summer you take just one step. So easy to do at summertime to take one step out. But I want to invite you instead to take one step one step in. And I'm going to give you five thoughts that I see in Jesus. Uh, in how he intentionally disciples. And this will mean that you're rearranging your time because uh, we'll, you've, you've had before where you've rearranged your time. You've had before where something else was so important that you reprioritized, right? So a relationship that was significant enough that you reprioritize your life around the relationship. So like for me, before I got married, I chose restaurants based upon the meal, what we're going to eat, all right? Then I got married and I found out that now we, we prioritize restaurants based upon the dessert menu, right? It was new to me until after I got married. Even when, even when I was dating and engaged, that reality w- was not bedrock until I put a ring on the finger and it was covenant for life. Then I got into reality, Renata chooses where we eat, not based upon chicken steak, Italian seafood. It is based upon that dessert menu. And I'll never forget the day that she said, let's go to Carabas because of the chocolate cake. Thing. I said, this place serves chocolate cake. She goes, oh, no. It ain't the same, baby. So, we, so I had to reprioritize. All right. Okay. So here's my point. And, and you, we did it all the time. We do it with kids, right? I drove a red Mustang when I, mm, when I, when I was... Before I got married, right? When I had four kids, that red Mustang, gone. Minivan, right? Why? Reprioritize four babies, right? Here's my point. Easy for us to cruise, kind of doing our own thing and add a little Jesus to our plate. I wanna invite you. Christian community is about reprioritizing to where it's not just about you, but you're actually looking at other people. And you're reprioritizing your life, not just based upon your needs, easy to do. Hey, tell you what I'll do. I'll drink a latte, listen to my favorite podcast, put on my favorite worship music. I thank God. right? And you do my my podcast, my my latte, my music. And you can turn Christianity into consumerism just based upon you by yourself. But if you read the New Testament, 65 times there's one another's. Love one another, have compassion on one another, forgive one another, serve one another, pray for one another. You can't do 65 one another's when you're just by yourself. So you need Christian community. You need, we need each other. We got to fight for each other, pray for each other. So don't take a step out. I'll tell you what, I want to sit this summer out. I'm going to sit this summer out and just play my favorite music and listen to my favorite preacher. Well, unless, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, no. No, I want to invite you to actually think about relationships. I want to invite you to think about who are the people that you could serve, pray for, who are the people that you could encourage who are the people that you could partner with who are the people that you could protect who are the people that you could be like Jesus towards so a lot of people end up feeling isolated and disconnected but I want to, kind of my thesis today is that a consumer mentality towards Christianity will often cause you to end up feeling like you're isolated because Ultimately, you're trying to use God and even church as a means to my own end, which is my own desires and my own, my own wants. And you got to flip it. You got to go Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom. Seek God first and then obey what he says. And all these things will be added unto you. So actually, when you just give your yes of obedience to Christ, I'm going to walk and follow and know Jesus and then I'm going to do what he told me to do. I'm going to make disciples of others. I'm going, to, I'm going to discover my spiritual gift and walk in the body of Christ. Actually, when you do that, then here's my premise. You'll end up shocked how many relationships you have. You'll actually end up being looking at your spouse going, oh my, how do I manage so much affection coming my way? How do I handle this? I only have 168 hours in the week, but I have so many opportunities of people I can serve, pray for, protect, encourage, and partner with. So I just want to show you a few thoughts that we see in Jesus, because I see those five things in just the conversation that Jesus has around the table. You love the table. I love the table. I love, I love sitting at my, one of my favorite things in life is our family table, because there's so many dynamics at the table. You discover what people are like at the table, right? So I have my beautiful bride, Renata, and my four kids, Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice. And on Friday, little window into the soul of my children, um, Olivia said, dad, I don't know why you think of me as the perfect child, Dawson is so amazing, and she started talking about how all the things that Dawson did that is so perfect, and I thought, oh, that's so sweet, and then Adeline said, Olivia, I think you're the only one at the table that thinks that you're the perfect child, <laughs> window into Addie's soul. <laughs> you got Dawson, there's just so many dynamics, you got, it's like, I feel like we're, it, it's fun, we've got Dawson, uh, he's, he's 16, and he is six years old. And he still eats so little that Renata literally, he is 16. She literally scoops food onto his plate and says, you must eat all that. You must eat all that. And I'm like, I thought this would be over by the time he was three. We're 16 and he's still like eating, you know, a little bit. And he's like super healthy eater. I'm like, I thought teenage boys were like nonstop eating junk food. Dawson's all healthy. And It just, but you've got window into his soul, window into justice. He's he's the opposite. Justice, he eats everything. Actually, we're really cheap, so we ask our kids to always get kids' meals. And he got so frustrated by the fact that he could never have an adult meal that he changed when the uh, waiter would ask or the server would ask what he wanted to eat. He would never tell them what he wanted. He just asked, which kids' meal has the most food on the plate? (laughs) which is supposed to be a hint to mom and dad. I ain't a kid no more. Uh, but we're still like, we're going to push that envelope. He's going to have a super deep voice, be 21. We're going to be like kids meal. But, um, <laughs> but Jesus goes to the table and he sits with his disciples. And I, I, I love this because Jesus has said in his circle, he's talking about those who do the will of my father. That's my, that's my brothers and my mother. And I just want us to pause there. And we're going to go into the relationship. We're going to go into what he says to them. But I just think it's interesting because most of my journey, I talk about the idea of the family. And I've kind of thought of it as kind of like old school church, Um, like kind of funny, kind of almost like I've kind of I'm just confessing my sin publicly. But I've almost kind of like like mocked like the like the brother, this sister, that kind of thing, because when I was a kid, it was real. Um, when I was a kid, my dad would say, he would answer the phone to talk to his friend. He'd say, hello, brother Dan. You know, and I just, I don't know. It just seemed like, huh. You know, we call people the church sister something. And so I was always like, I don't know. But here's what I discovered studying the Bible this week. This is Jesus' idea. This is Jesus right here saying, I'll tell you, he who does the will of my father we are, we're spiritual siblings. We're kingdom siblings. We have rearranged our priorities in such a way that my father's will is the agenda of our life. So it seems silly if your agenda is still the American dream to call someone brother or sister, but if you have flipped your whole way of living and your money belongs to God and your daughter, do- that's the same thing. Your money belongs to God and your, your time belongs to God and your relationships belong to God and you're trying to do everything with he's your father, he's your provider, he takes, then I actually look at Nathan. I actually look at Kenny, I actually look at Peyton, I actually look at them, and they're actually living so differently as people that are part of the family of God. They're trying to do the will of the Father. They're like, you're my brother, you're my, pro- my, my brother, you're my sister, and I'm just telling you, it's officially begun. It is okay at Radiant to go back to my childhood and just be, Brother Kenny G, how you doing? Like, like Sister Peyton, right? Like, because there's something, there's something beautiful in the idea. I know the reason why we don't is because we don't want to feel like you know too churchy or whatever. But but I want you to hear that the spiritual DNA of it. It's a kingdom concept. Really, God is our Father. We've rearranged our lives to live like him. So you are my spiritual sibling. We are a part of the family. We I mean, this is it's it's significant. And so here's Jesus, and he sits at the table with his family, with his disciples. He sits at the table. Last Supper, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and even then going into the garden in 17. All right, we're gonna, I'm gonna preach five chapters today. You're gonna get out of here at 2 p.m. It's gonna be awesome. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna give you one quick thought, one quick thought from each of those chapters. And here's what the thought is. I just want you to look at the master disciple maker. And I wanna invite you to look at these five things that Jesus is the master disciple maker. If you can take these five things, and you can put them into how you make disciples, how you lead people. So sometimes we look at hearing that phrase, make disciples, and people get nervous because they go, wow, that sounds intense. Just want you to look at his obedience rather than intensity. Just Jesus did call us to make disciples. So I just want you to see it. So John 13, Jesus serves his disciples. I'm just gonna show you five attributes, five things that Jesus does. And then I want you to see Jesus as the ultimate friend. Jesus, the ultimate disciple maker and I, here's, here's my premise. If you will add these into your life and you do this, you'll be surprised how you will be serving people, loving people, finding yourself in the midst of Christian community and not lonely. All right, John 13, three. Number one, Jesus served his disciples. Uh, and here's Jesus, sorry. Number one, Jesus served his disciples. John 13, three is the text. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After he had poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Skip forward to verse 14. Jesus gives commentary to his disciples about what he's just done. Now that I, your Lord and and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So, first thing is this: Jesus served his disciples. So Jesus takes the towel, and the what, what would be the lowest servant role in the house, Jesus does, he serves. Obviously, we live in a different 21st century context where our feet are not like the feet of people in the first century with sandals, but Jesus takes their feet, washes them, and then he he serves them. And then he says, go and do what I've done for you. I've set an example for you. If you will intentionally think, who can I serve? Where can I serve? How can I serve? You'll be surprised how much serving people forms and creates relationships. I watched this happen as we all walked together just recently with uh, the loss of Mike Benning. And I watch the way that you serve the family of Stephanie and her children. And I watch this church, and I'm still watching you serve them so significantly. Here's what happens. In, moment, in people's darkest moments, hardest moments, most challenging moments, when you run to go serve you will be surprised. Not only does that part of the body then want to be there for you on your hardest day, but you'll develop comrades with other servants that are Christ-like servants trying to serve people in their darkest moment. I think one of the best things that you can do is say, who, how, where can I serve? Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Looking for moments where I can serve them by celebrating with them, Serving, helping, partying. Be, you, when you serve in that capacity and you're somebody that looks for the people that you can celebrate, what are they going through? What, what, did, what, what milestone in their life can you celebrate? Sometimes we just think that there's some of that that's just kind of, just kind of the cultural. I think it's also kingdom. When you're also willing to buy a gift, um, get to know somebody that is celebrating something and just, I honestly, I'm going to dignify, if you dignify, I think shouting people out on social media, I think one of the best things we can do in a digital age is be the people that are the most, hey, proud of you, love you, good job, way to go, celebrating you. We're going to do more than that. And I'm not saying that it's the equivalent of deep relationships. Sometimes I think that social media has become a, a hindrance because we've traded deep relationships for just kind of a surfacey comparison, digital life. But I want to invite you. It's, it is a way that you can look to celebrate, serve. Who can you celebrate? Who can you serve? Who can you run to on their darkest day? Jesus was the servant. In John 13, the way that we kind of set up this whole story of Jesus sitting around a table. Actually, they were probably laying around the table, but that's too hard to illustrate right now. Um, and he's talking with them. Number one, serve. Look at this second one. We're going to skip forward to John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may be where I am. You know the place to where I'm going. So second one is this. Jesus encourages his disciples. So starts off serving. Move forward to John 14. And he's encouraging. This text kind of came alive for me as uh, I was preparing uh, for Mike's funeral, and I I taught out of this text, um, because Jesus here is talking about heaven. A lot of times, we'll try to encourage mostly about this life, but kingdom community is often encouraging that we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever, and talking about eternity. It's actually the Christian way to do as much as we can. To, to talk about and celebrate and encourage people with eternity and Jesus in view instead of just better circumstance. A lot of times we'll just do better circumstance. It's like, it's all gonna be better. I wanna invite you, just try to think. Learn from Jesus, the master disciple maker. Be encouragers. Hebrews 13 says, encourage one another daily so long as it is called today. I have a friend of mine that... Um, Has taken this so literally, he actually makes it an agenda to, to encourage somebody every day. In fact, I received a text from him one time in the evening and said, thank you. And then found out from him later that when he gets to the end of the day and he can't think of somebody that he has intentionally encouraged that day, he just sends a text message to somebody. But I can tell you this, that guy's got no shortage of friendships. That guy, he's not lonely. He's just building, serving, encouraging. Number three, Jesus partnered with his disciples. John 15, look at this. This is just a beautiful way that Jesus talks about staying connected to his disciples. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do zero. You can do nothing. So real simple idea, but Jesus says, I am the one that empowers you. I think you can take that context and look at how how can you partner with people to help them accomplish the ministry calling on their life? What are the things that you can do? So you, you can be a servant, an encourager like Jesus. So you can serve like Jesus, encourage like Jesus, and then even partner like Jesus. Because God's given you skills, time, dollars, gifts, influence, and there are people around you that if you will step in and just steward the calling, steward the gift, how could you help them move forward with what God has on their lives? So like my dream is to do this with my kids. My dream is for my kids to help your kids. So I have mostly teenagers, 11, 13, 15, 16, and they, they serve in Radiant Kids every week. They're back there. Um, and, and here's the, why I I want them. uh, So I want to be somebody that looks at them and says, here's what I see in you. Here's who you could be. Here's what God's called you to be. Here's the spiritual gifts in your life. Here's who you are. And I want them not just receiving, but them intentionally caring, looking at the five-year-olds, the seven-year-olds, the 10-year-olds. Here's the prayer gift on your life. Here's who you are. Here's what the way you serve, man, you're a great singer. Hey, you'd be, you, you. Man, you got a leadership gift on you. Hey, this is all. I love the way that you're making and looking at 10 year olds and 11 year olds. And so it's seeing it and then helping them, helping them move forward, helping them be all that God's called them to be. I'll never forget being 23 years old and had somebody be so kind to me. And I said, Why are you, what are you doing this? I mean, sitting over lunch, I was like, Why are you helping me so much? And this person just smiled from ear to ear and just said, I want to help the call of God on your life happen. And you're just like, and literally the thought in my head goes, who are you, Jesus? <laughs> but in reality, that's ex- he's being the body of Christ. That's exactly what he was doing. He was just looking at a punk 23-year-old Bible degree kid and said, I'm gonna help you accomplish all that's on your life. I'm gonna use influence, resource, time, dollars, staff, things that I have to help you. And here's Jesus. He's going, on your own, nada. With me, come on, bear some fruit. And there's people in your social circle. There's people in your influence. Maybe you could pray about. Maybe they're 12. Maybe they're not. We tend to want to partner with people that are going to make us cooler. They're going to help us in our social status, which isn't the Jesus way. Jesus is often looking for the people that might be the fishermen saying, come on, might be a tax collector. Come on. least <laughs> tend to say, hey, if you got a lot going for you, I just feel called to you, right? I think there's some significance in, that we're called to everybody, but I wanna invite you to be open to whoever the Lord puts in your path and helping people that might be outsiders. Who could you partner with? Then John 16:1, next chapter, Jesus says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. When I read this, I see Jesus wanting to protect them like the good shepherd that he is. He's a good, good shepherd. I see this as a shepherd role, wants to protect the sheep. This is, I've prayed for you so much, I've cared for you so much, I've encouraged you so much. Man, I want the call of God on your life. I've taught you, I've trained you. Who could you train? Who could you teach? Who could you protect? That they almost become like a sheep, almost like a little child, almost like, almost like that's the reason why we encourage. I encourage you to lead small groups. I encourage you to jump all in. And you're 25 and you're double income, no kids, and you could spend all your time and money on yourself. I want to invite you, invest your life in 16-year-olds that are going through the hardest time of their lives. You're a 16-year-old. Man, invest yourself in the 12-year-olds and the 11-year-olds and the 10-year-olds. Just each, each all the way. Down. One of the best things we can do is have a church where you're helping people that are one step behind you in age or even in faith. You're somebody that you're like, I have just made a decision to follow Jesus, right? Man, your next step could be to have somebody who's been in the faith for 20 years walk with you. You could be somebody who you go, you know, before I was following Jesus, this was the area of struggle, of sin that I was addicted to. And so you think, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to pursue those people and help what God's got on their life. I'm going to help them come to an openness to Christ, salvation, decisions to follow Jesus and moving forward to become disciple makers. But it's getting my mind off me and getting my mind onto others. That's hard to do. It's hard to do in, in, a, in a culture where every commercial and every song, everything is built towards, esteem me so that ultimately people can make money off me. Elevate me. I need my time, me time. Me, me. I'm just telling you, the way of the culture is not lay your life down for others. The way of the culture is lay your life down for yourself. And so it is challenging to get the Jesus way going. It actually needs supernatural help actually Christ in you. You can't do this on your own. You can't commit to five values. You need Christ to do it in you. You need Jesus to help you become more like Jesus. It takes, it takes a supernatural work of God. Last one is this. We get to John 17, and it's the signature text of where Jesus goes into the garden and prays, leaves the upper room, but we still get a window. John gives us a window into Jesus' prayer. And I love in verse nine, where he prays for his disciples, says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. So we'll just go, who could I serve? Who could I encourage? Who could I protect? Who could I partner with? This last one is who could I pray for? One of the things we encourage all our small group leaders to do is to pray for the people in their small group every day, which is one of the benefits of joining a small group is knowing that there's somebody praying for you. But this is another way that you could be a disciple maker like Jesus where you go, I've got people that I actually pray for. Sometimes when I say that, people feel shame and guilt. Oh no, listen, don't feel shame or guilt. Just look at Jesus' life and go, I want as a follower of Jesus to start building into my life The things that look like Christ. Being a disciple maker is not a killjoy. Being a disciple maker is a thrill. Being a disciple maker gives you the opportunity to take what you care about most, Jesus, and help people. It's it's actually more enjoyable than lattes and Netflix. It's actually more enjoyable than perpetual sports. It's actually more enjoyable than being all the things. I'm for, there's a whole lot of good things, 21st century Kansas City. I love living here. But don't allow those good things to become God in your life. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Be a disciple. Make a commitment. I'm gonna take my life And I'm gonna actually obey. Sometimes we think the disciple making, that's for the, it's always around the corner. (laughs) It's always with those spiritually mature people. Well, where are they? (laughs) It's us, it's now, it's time, right? So you're gonna make a decision to disciple your kids. I wanna invite you just, God, open up my eyes. Who are the fishermen that I'm walking by? Who are the tax collectors that I'm passing by? In our context, who are the people that serve in the business that I own? Who are the people that come into my store where I serve as the manager? Who are the people, God? Open up my eyes. Help me see them. And then you do these five things. You become that person that constantly encourages, serves, prays, protects, cares. I'm going to take care of you. You watch. That social circle, you have a hard time keeping up with the blessing of God. You have a hard time keeping up with people that they're just so grateful. And then they're learning from you. Before too long, you're helping other people make disciples. And all of a sudden, we're starting to be the body. The body is awesome. That sounds like a gym. (laughs) The body of Christ is awesome, right? It's awesome. So we don't need to mock it. No matter what level of church hurt you have from 1984, no matter where you've been, let's commit. Let's be the body of Christ. And I wanna invite you to today, think about taking a step this summer. Take one step, one step. Even if you just, even if you hear those five things, you go, I could do that. I could be the, text. I could be the texting encouragement guy. I could be the prayer guy. Just one, just move forward. Just don't leave here the same. It's not your own strength. Just ask God, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, help me to live out that. I want the words of Jesus, the example of Jesus. It's one of the fun things I love. Even today, what I did for you was I just gave you an example. It wasn't wasn't just taking the teaching. It was saying, look at how he's leading these disciples. I want to invite you to lead people. By serving them, protecting them, praying for them. All right, let's stand together and let me pray for you. Would you take just a moment? And I'm not gonna have you come forward or anything like that. But if you've got one person in your mind, one person that you think I could help disciple them, I, I, I could help them take spiritual steps. If you've got one proper name, no pronouns, no, just, I mean, right now, a name, a person, an individual. You got one person in your head. Just, 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 just raise your hand, and we're just going to turn this into intercession for a moment. Just, you got one person. I do. I got two hands up here. Let's go, let's just, I'm just going to wait for a couple more. Old school church, baby. Come on, brother, so and so, sister, so and so. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I lift up each hand. Represents somebody. And I ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would use Radiant Church to help them follow you. Jesus, you do the work. Jesus, transform, change us. Help us to be disciples that make disciples. We need you. Oh, we love you. And I pray for my friends. Give them spiritual strength today. Renew them. I pray that you would protect them. Just like we all need someone to serve us, you did. Someone to protect us, you are. Someone to pray for us, you have. Someone to encourage us, you have. You always will be. Help us be the body of Christ in the 21st century. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you've been living on your own. And you just want to say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to invite you. Just wherever you're at, just, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to have you come forward. Just You say today, I'm making a turn. I'm going living live for me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be my Savior. That's you. Just raise your hand. Good. if that's you, I just want to invite you just at your seat, just between you and God, would you just pray this simple prayer? Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Just say that. Be my Savior and my Lord. Amen. Listen, if you made that choice to follow Jesus, that's just the beginning of your journey, but it's a step. It's that surrender moment, and we want to help you. Go on your journey with Jesus, and I want to invite you, if you would, if you wouldn't mind, just you can even pull out your phone right now. But on your phone, just jump on there on our website and just tell us that you made that decision, so that we can be in touch with you this week. We want to help you build the relationships, so that so we can help do those five things. We want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. We want to serve you. We want to help you on your journey. Hey, radio. Can we give a hand for everybody? Just raise their hand today. Can we do that? Can you do that? All right.